So before the episode starts, I want to take a moment to really thank everybody for all the support and for having listened for the last 12 episodes of Normal Adjustments. I know that there's a lot of content out there these days. There's a lot of options and thank you for for having listened. I I feel very honored for everybody's time. I know this is a time commitment and I really appreciate it. And with that said, I really have to thank my guests, my fabulous and wonderful guests, uh, Andy, Francesca, Lauren, Alba, Taylor, Nayara, Bianca, and Eve. Because without you guys and all the honesty and the amazing, amazing conversations I've had with all these people, this little space wouldn't exist. Uh, And so thank you for allowing my little passion project to exist. Uh, This is a little project that kind of gave birth uh, in the middle of the pandemic uh, from an idea that I had more than a year ago. It took me some time to get there, but you know, it's never too late. And last but not least, I want to thank Maritere, who you will get to know in a little bit. Uh, First of all, for agreeing to interview me. (laughs) I love you so much. And I want to kind of tell a little anecdote about the origin of the name of this podcast. Um, Because she has a lot to do with it. Uh, And some years ago, in a little kind of self-deprecating moment, I used the word abnormal to describe myself. And she said these wonderful words that I would never forget. Uh, She said, Nicole, you're not abnormal. You're just normal with adjustments. (laughs) So thank you for your lovely words that made this, basically this thing to exist. Um, So I just wanted to say some final words uh, because we're living in kind of a lot of negativity these days um and i certainly was brought up uh in a environment in terms of of a notion or a view towards the condition i have which is lymphedema with a lot of negativity not in my household um i think my parents did a great job about kind of changing that mentality but around there around the public uh, rightly so because of the lack of knowledge and and information about the condition but you know that negativity is out there for a lot of things for a lot of other conditions for a lot of other chronic diseases that exist uh, and about being different basically uh, in whatever category of different you feel that you fall in um in a world that strives for like unattainable perfection. Uh, So I just hope that if you have ever felt lonely or if you've ever felt in fear, that this little forum have helped you understand that you are not alone, that there is a lot of people out there going through something, whatever it is, 
and that the only truth about normality is that it is anything but standard. With that said, I just hope that this continues and that there are many, many more tales and many people to come over and tell them. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the last episode. Bye. Welcome to Normal Adjustments, because not all tales are created equal, and neither are the people that tell them. Welcome, everybody, to Normal Adjustments. I am your guest host for this week. My name is Mari Pratt, and I am excited, nervous, and honored to be here today to interview the beautiful Nicole that you've all learned to um, get to know and love. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Mari. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a little bit of a different setup because I'm not going to be the main host. Uh, Mari is going to interview me. Woo. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> so, so thank you for... Thank you for saying yes. Uh, I'm honored that you said yes. Um, for those that don't know Mary, um, she is my, like my sister. She's one of the people, she's the sister that life gave me that I don't have because I only have a brother. <laughs> um, uh, I have beautiful people in my life and she is one of them and I am extremely grateful for having her and she's one of the people I have experienced my uh, journey the closest so that's why she's here and I thought she was one of the most appropriate people to interview me well for me it's it's um the sentiment is the same for me you are you are the sister I never had because I also have a brother <laughs> so um and yes you are right I have seen uh how you have continued to be resilient from the moment I met you to who you are today. And I'm sure you'll continue to uh, impress me and make me proud of, of what you've done and you've accomplished. So thank you. Love. Very excited to be here. Yeah, we know now we know each other now for, oh, I don't know, more than 15 don't years. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> that give us, gives away our age. It doesn't matter. Yeah, sorry. Um, but yeah, We're 21. Um, so we went to middle school and high school together and then from then on like we've kept in our lives um yeah. the only part of it that you didn't know me was when i was younger when i was growing up but it doesn't matter yeah yeah so maybe we so maybe we start there um so really i think one of the themes that we'll we'll see throughout today's conversation is really adjusting to life's punches right or or, or um curveballs is another way that we can talk about it right so um, I think everybody goes through it. Everybody has their own, you know, uh, their own curveballs that they have to conquer. So I think today we'd love to hear your story and kind of what those have been for you. So um, let's talk about your experience kind of as you were growing up at a really, really young age. And, um, you know, what was lymphedema for you? Like, what did you know um, about it? Like, what, like, what were the conversations that you had with your friends at school at, at again, at such a, innocent young age yeah uh it's it's something that i've kind of explored more recently in terms of putting myself in back in those moments and thinking like how did i deal with those situations before because um for people to know that don't know i was born with lymphedema 
So most people, when they are like, oh, I was that have primary lymphedema like myself, which is the lymphedema that you have because um, genetically or there's an obstruction, but it, it didn't happen through a, a surgical procedure or whatever. I have the primary lymphedema that had a presentation at birth. So the moment I came out of the womb, <laughs> I had my left arm swollen. Uh, mm -hmm. So the story really starts with my parents because, and I always give them this kind of like badge of superheroes because back in the eighties, they were able to find the solutions. And, and I don't know how, because the story is that my dad and my mom had to go to the library and actually go through archives and look for with these terms that other doctors had said and say kind of like where to go to, there was no Google or anything. Right. So once I am diagnosed nine months later after battles with med doctors and whatever, nine months later in the doctor's children's hospital, my parents acquired, they're both of them and you know them are very structured and very kind of like by the rules and by the book. And they, they were told you have to follow this protocol. And to be honest, that's the same protocol I said today, which is a diet very low on sodium a diet, mm -hmm. you know, kind of unclean, which is, you know, what I've done my whole life. Very, I, now whoever knows um, La Cocina de Andy, uh, one of the things <laughs> I've learned is that I actually cook very low in salt and Andy's always like adding salt and pepper. And I'm like, okay, okay. I have to learn to put more salt and stuff because my whole life I grew up very low salt. That's diet. what you're used to. Yeah. And even my, my palate is like that quite uh, bland, but, um, uh, that one, the second compression, 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 compression. So I had my garments, uh, which, you know, my mom was told how to measure me. So I would be measured um, at five years old in those searches. I went to lymphedema conferences. The people that are lymphedema patients know the National Lymphedema Network at five years old. Um, I went to one of the best houses of lymphedema, which is the Bother Clinic. And these people um i teach the method to therapists in austria and also uh have patients there it's an in clinic uh, clinic um mm -hmm. in-house and so we went there my mom was taught to do the manual link drainage and also bandaging so all these protocols and things were part of my life what happens i go to school and to be honest it was never different uh I don't know if there's like a topic there of insularism uh, yeah. in which the people got to know me and this is Nicole and nobody ever questioned it. Um, yeah. And for There's almost also like a, a thing of, of innocence too, like as a child, mm -hmm. like you don't, those aren't things that you're really thinking about or noticing, right? Because again, you're, you're just, you're a kid, right? Mm -hmm. So did you ever... I, I, in those kind of situations with other kids kind of going into school at the beginning, I don't know, elementary school or even younger than that. Did you ever, were there any situations where you felt like this was a topic or, or how, no, what not, was that? I don't have a recollection of those moments. I do have recollections of people asking and not in like situations with kids or other like or people that I really knew no it was more in the public it was like oh my god what happened or and and I have I have to be 
fair, like I had these wonderful people around me. The one of the the uh, people that that kind of like worked with at my house with my family for a long time, like she's still in, in my life. Uh, Kuka, she would she would say, um, you tell people that what happened is that you ate a lot of rice and it went to this arm and you ate a lot of meat and it went to this arm. And it was just so like, oh my God, and <laughs> I know such an innocent and nice way of like explaining things. But I never remember this moment to be very, very honest until much, much later in which I have to explain. And when people ask and my mom was around, my mom's pitch was always like oh she has a medical condition um she's like that and that was it that was the end of the conversation so i always adopted that like for a long time i'm not anymore i've i've worked on kind of like polishing that pitch a little bit it's hard yeah. but um for a long time i was like oh it's a medical condition don't worry oh and you probably see me that's probably what i used to say for a very long time i remember <laughs> yeah um I so i don't remember a moment in which I felt singled out or whatever in when I was young, young age, um, or that I was um, approached by somebody in a bully way, which is sometimes yeah. what people would think is you were mm -hmm. bullied and not really, I'm knock on wood, I, maybe I was very um, lucky that way. Were, they mo were there moments, were there situations? Yes, there, there were that I can remember, but it was more, um, I think in, I grew with a sense of that this was the way I am. And, right. but it, it's all tied to my arm. That's a different story with my legs and the rest of the situations that happened, which we will talk about in the course of this. But because the arm is so visible, yeah, it was something to address more quickly, right? Um, but I, my young age, <laughs> from like elementary school on then on then I was in the same school for 12 years it, I went to kinder and graduated I think probably there were conversations that happened behind closed door with my mom and explaining the teachers and whatever but right there was nothing particularly well I can even tell you a story in first grade when I went to this clinic when I was five years old for the first time I had to go before uh, Christmas um, before the final exams stage on Christmas and it was I think the teachers or like something said let's say uh, let's give Nicole like a present of like have a good trip because and kids embraced it so nice that still to this day people remember that like I went on to a trip and for uh, to a hospital and I was giving like notes of kids like get well soon, have a good trip. I could remember this and everybody, but in a nice way. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm, but uh, yeah, I was lucky that way though. Maybe, maybe I was lucky. Yeah, no. And I think it also has to do with your, uh, you've always had a very positive outlook to things that I think that also has something to do with it. Because if you see someone who is just so normal about it, because it's normal, right? it's like, oh, it, it's fine. You know, like you don't make a, a thing of it. At least that's, that's the, the, the situations that you and I have been in. That's mm -hmm. kind of the sense that I got at least first meeting you. But, but I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the transition between kind of that innocent, uh, not innocent, but the, that when you're a kid and there's this kind of there, you know, this 
um, innocence about you. And then you transition into one of the most, I think, challenging stages for any person, which is kind of as you get older and you like get into high school and you actually start dealing with all the heavy things that are going on, your, you know, your body's changing or these things called hormones, like start kind of taking control of your life. Um, there's a lot of, you know, that's when confidence starts to kind of kick in. So, um, you know, in that transition, right. Were you ever one, I want to hear about that, but then two also, um, these same people that you've kind of grew up with in elementary school and then transitioned into high school, were there ever changes in conversations or in attitudes or anything like that? Well, look, when in the transition to being a teenager, I think I also don't remember a different thing. What did start happening is that uh, I, and this is not related to lymphedema, I had a delayed evolution of my body, like what the development phase, right? And most of you guys were already kind of like with boobs, which those never grew. So I'm still waiting for them. (laughs) (laughs) um, You guys were like taller, growing. I was always like very petite and like I was, I looked even like younger because I was like smaller. Um, so I did went through like a delayed phase of, of like even the boy craziness and, and that sort of stuff. But the interesting stuff is that if I think back, it was never related to lymphedema, not at all. Like I've mm-hmm. never, I was never in that like, in that phase. I know that people then get self-conscious, but my body had an a normal and it was because and it was my arm was the, the most swollen I would never think of something different like I would never feel myself like differentiated either in those times well I can think of even if you look back to pictures of course there was a time that that changed but I think I never hit my arm or my legs in any of those stages even if we look back at our page at pictures when we I, we were in like quinceañeros at 15 and 16 no yeah and I had my first boyfriend around 15 and you know like and it, it was um and you were very close to that situation you know like it's a funny it's a funny situation me and Mary dated best friends so it was all the only way I think that it could have happened because of our dads, <laughs> we went, oh we went together the, to the all the same, this is what? The spies. The spies. We went together to the same like restaurants and we went together to the same house outings with the mothers. It was so cute. Um, but um, yeah, like it, there was never like a differentiator of lymphedema. I do remember and I said this with Francesca, um, there, that, uh, there was a time then th- that I heard comments of other people in that school because our boyfriends were, went to an all boys school. And apparently yeah. there was a boy there that did say comments of like, oh, um, he's dating Del- Hellboy or something um, about my last yeah, I heard only once because I guess everybody around me maybe protected me. So didn't allow me to hear these things. Right. Um, and that's the first time 
ever, I swear to God, that I ever heard something and I'm like, oh, so people might look at this differently. But it only hinted something. It wasn't really after, um, literally, Mary, until maybe 11th, 12th, when I started dating like then my second boyfriend, that he would once told me like, oh, I hate when people look at you that way. And I didn't even know what he was talking about. I'm like, what do you mean? like oh that like you didn't notice and apparently like somebody like was walking back and like just stare and would at stare. you yeah yeah and, and that's when I probably some awareness of it started getting to me um there was there were definitely some things I hated for example like when you have lymphedema like mine and all that stage for lymphedema patients to understand I was like type one my my arm was probably type two lymphedema but when you're in those stages, your swelling is, you have swelling. It's noticeable, maybe a little bit, but it's resilient. So your, my legs would look normal sometimes. Um, yeah. Sometimes I always had one more than the other, but it's because I have different uh, anatomy in both of my legs with the lymphedema. But it wasn't like a very significant swelling, never. What I did experience was a very hard time looking for shoes my whole life. And those moments were very difficult because everybody was wearing the little heels and whatever, and I couldn't fit in most of them. And it was very yeah. embarrassing to go to buy shoes because, you know, the, you know, the sales associates always like, they want to help you. And then my foot would, and it was so horrible. I would remember, I didn't even want to go with my mom. So eventually like closer to when you're like in 16 that I had a car, I would go by myself and I would just because it was the most comfortable. I just needed, I needed to trial and error myself all the time. Right, um, right. And it was the most comfortable also with the jeans um, because of the difference of legs. Uh, it was very difficult because I hate it. And a lot of people is gonna um, understand this if you're a lymphedema patient. I hate that from the back, you can see this, the difference. And then also the fit. If you have a loose jean, you can see the loose and then the other right. leg like would be tight. And right. that is so annoying, like, you, because then it's so noticeable. And it's not that yeah. I was trying to hide it all the time, but you don't want to single it out more. Right. So, right. Um, so yeah, uh, those were, I guess, that the things that I grew up with that I can just identify in terms of my, um, grow, like you say, like the coming of age, like the teen yeah. years. Um, it wasn't until 12th grade that I had a situation in which I was diagnosed with the lung um, that kind of, it was a very humbling situation because I went through life and all that time, so normal. Um, and my leg situation, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think you ever saw me with compression garments in my legs. In No, I no, I, I, I mean, I, I saw, I think I saw other, not other sides of you because we were so close, but I don't think everybody obviously knew. Like I, I saw you with the machines, like the, com the compression machines oh my and God, that yes. kind of stuff, but never garments. Yes. Um, and that's, a, that's another story. That's interesting. I remember right now. Yeah. Uh, we did a trip. It's a, it's a trip that, um, people, in the San Juan area, well, other other towns as well, but in the yeah. San Juan area, it's mainly more San Juan, but yeah, yeah, in go San Juan area is the capital of Puerto Rico. For the ones that don't know, um, 
it, it, the, some of schools there go to uh, at this Euro trip uh, in for a month. And we were like 120 people all over uh, Puerto Rico. And I took the compression machine, which by back then, it was not now they're coming out with some compression machines that are like even there's one that they're targeting for people to travel and whatever. And that was the only thing I really I had the bandages, but I didn't bandaging was not an active part of my life. I did it for a period and then I didn't. And by then I was also being very now that I say not now I might need to backtrack myself. <laughs> but now that I say what I did develop was um a like rejection towards the garment and that mm-hmm. did happen while I was like already in my 15 and I wouldn't wear my my compression garment for years sometimes at a moment in time if I felt a bit swollen then I would put it on but in my legs I could only I remember occasional times in which I would wear them because first of all to be very honest I didn't have good measurements so they wouldn't be comfortable um and and second I would be like you're not gonna cut me dead in those garments in my legs but then the machine was the thing that I was always with and even in sleepovers I would bring it but for you guys I guess that it was kind of like oh yeah this is Nicole's machine yeah no I I didn't I didn't see it as anything abnormal like oh this is the norm and I remember I remember that trip and I remember um one how heavy this machine was and just taking turns to carry the machine because it was so heavy. Not only and, that, Mary, um, I don't know if you remember this part, but I actually was talking to my dad about this the other day. The funny thing, not funny, but when I got to Europe, I noticed I didn't have the correct adapter to, co- to connect it to the European plug. I had one that didn't have the ground. So the US plug has two and a ground. The ground is what prevents usually a short secret. So we, we pushed it in to ev- avoid the ground. We connected it, boom, we, <laughs> we exploded the floor in a Paris hotel. I oh remember this. And what happened? And that was the literally machine, the first day. <laughs> yes, and the machine, and the machine blew up as well, a five grand machine. So I, that was the small one that I had. Then my dad had to send an, the second one from Puerto Rico, and these are not the Amazon times in which like, you know, things get to you quickly. No, we had, they had to guess where it could get. And we were already in Austria. So I got the second one. And when we, when we got it, we connected it, boom. Again, the same thing happened. And I remember for things the, <laughs> oh my God, the, or the, um, the organizers. The, the, yeah, 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 the chaperones. The chaperones, they were all so concerned and so, and I remember um, the best, one of the best people in this world, Mr. Levitt, that was like so, so concerned that I was not going to be okay. Like maybe they need to send me back to Puerto Rico. And I said, nope, I'm not going to go back to Puerto Rico. I'm going to stay in this trip. And I went to, um, I would never forget this. We were in Lynchstein, Lynchstein, whatever. I'm sorry, I bad pronunciation of that name. How do you remember this? How oh, do you because, remember this? Because I would never forget. And I was like like crazy. And I saw a health store and they had the bandages. So I bought the bandages. And I the first time I ever bandaged myself was in that trip because I I found them. I think that is, you're right. I think that is the first time I ever, ever saw you do that. Ever. 
Probably because it wasn't, it was not something that was part of my daily protocol with my people around me. But yeah, it was because we were walking all the time. My foot started to get swollen. I would never forget. I had these shoes that were closed shoes, but they had a hole in, in the middle, like, um, like, um, Marianne flat, but with a strap and uh -huh. the ball of my foot would just come out. So I couldn't wear them. It was horrible. Um, and this, I, I just had like split flops and then I, I remember like actually per personally having a bad time because nobody else would know. I was going to, I was going to say that like, I, I was, I was in this trip with you and you never ever complained, not even once. Like, and that to me is like crazy because you're going through, you're uncomfortable, like you're in pain, but yet you didn't want to bother anybody around you and you said nothing like, which is. Well, and that's a testament to just who you are, I think. Well, thank you. But it's something that I've had to fix, though, because what yeah. happened is... Of course. And, and we will continue talking about this. But what happened is that it was a, it was a, um, a pride. I didn't want to accept mm -hmm. to other people that this is something that could stop me. Uh, and that's one of the things that I learned the most eventually in my life, um, that it wasn't about accepting that I had a weakness or that it yeah. wasn't about accepting that I was damaged or anything at all. No, it's that I needed to take care of myself in a different way. And I want to talk about pride in a little bit, but before we move on to pride, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, like your relationships, like kind of, you talked about your first boyfriend, whom I remember vividly, but like just the, the relationships you had throughout high school and kind of, how was that? Like, how was that? What were some of the conversations that maybe you guys had? Um, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting topic. And I think we can extend it to my relationships in college yeah, because sure. Again, this kind of normal came to me in a way that I didn't have to have these conversations with many people. Well, and it was kind of like very briefly, um, if anything, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I was born with this and I would never double think about it. Um, but everybody, I had such a big support system around me of people that maybe they could go to so for example my first boyfriend or even my second they know you guys and they know you would so they probably would go to you guys and ask like is nicole okay like is this something that that i can help or like what happened to her you know so yeah. maybe i was again i was caught out of most of those conversations i can tell you that no one ever no one that that i remember none of your boyfriends ever asked me like, oh, is she okay? Or, you know, like it was just, you were Nicole. Like the fact that you had lymphedema wasn't like an issue or it wasn't like a point of conversation. Like it was and just like, that's yeah, her, and, you know? And it's interesting because I would say that most of the people that knew me from before don't even know the word lymphedema until I just recently started talking about it. In right, because you didn't talk about it in... Exactly. Cause you didn't, I mean, I knew about it because, and, and even then Nicole, you and I would talk about it, but it was like a little bit and then done next topic. Like it wasn't something, and we'll get to this later in the conversation. I think in, 
in once you moved to New York and then you found the Foldy Clinic, like I think that's when the conversation yeah, started things, evolving. And let me, let me, I've thought about this a lot and there's some turning point in that. And a, a, a person very close to us has a lot to do with that turning point. But I did not talk about it because I was hiding anything. I did not talk about it because of me um, avoiding this topic. Not at all. Is that literally my head operated in a way that this was me and I didn't think I needed to address anything. Right, right. So I swear to God, and eventually that changed, of course, and not in a bad, in not in a bad way. Like it's in that transition that I started changing that it, it all of that also started falling into place. But the only moment that then things, I, th I think I didn't finish the story before. The only moment that I started kind of, um, I started as single, being singled out that something was different was when I had the operation for my lung. Um, for the ones that don't know, I also have um, a collapsed lung, my left lung. Basically, it's almost dead, basically. Um, it's full of fluid because of lymphatic fluid accumulated in it probably caused by the pneumatic machine that I was using that was basically because of the type of lymphedema that I have, the fluid would just come up my arm, get to here, and then don't know what to do. And then it deposited in the lung. That's the suspicion. And there's other patients uh, like me that have had the similar situations. So when I was in 12, 11th grade, I think it was 12 because I it remember- It was 12th grade. Yeah. I remember vividly. Yeah. And I remember missing a- uh, yeah, exactly. I remember missing a couple of things that I, you know, like those were the moments in which I was like, no, because I'm going to miss my welcome dance. And I think I missed something from my boyfriend back then that it was big moments. It was like, um, but I spent a couple of weeks in a hospital in Delaware because we, I went there uh, as a routine checkup because um, I haven't been checked about the lymphedema for a long time. They were the ones that treated me when I was young. And we went there as the only place that we knew that could help me because something in an x-ray had already shown that there was something in my lung, but I was breathing perfectly. So nobody thought anything of it. So then they just decided to drain the lung um, to make sure that the fluid was not malignant, the fluid wasn't. And then what the end conclusion after all this fiasco there was she has a quality of life. She looks fine. <laughs> uh, looking for a solution would probably cause more problems so let's just keep it there and keep it in observation until this day it's been ugh, 15 years since that uh, I've been kept in observation I do my um, x-rays or CT scans uh, every now and then the, the amount of fluid has never changed uh, and I have 100% oxygenation uh, so, you know, and I, you know, I'm active, I exercise. The only difference that I notice sometimes is I sometimes feel my body can go more, like, for example, in a spinning class, but my breathing can't. And that holds me yeah. back a little bit. Like, um, and I'm not like, like fainting or anything. No, it's like when, or when people do in a yoga class, like breathing and I'm like, and that stop there <laughs> and people continue. And so I'm like, no, I can't do more than that. <laughs> <laughs> my lung capacity is less but um that's the only thing and that's when all those events that I just said like we've been talking about it's when it started to create an a turning point on awareness that there was I lived with something that I that it was different 
Yeah. Of course. No, and comes college. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So like that transition between high school and college, because again, now we're getting into adulthood and that brings a slur of other, Mm -hmm. I think, not challenges, but evolutions, right? And journeys. So how was college for you? Did you see a change? Did you see more acknowledgement on, you know, uh, talking about lymphedema? How was that? Yeah, um, I always, the the way things started changing, it's usually, again, more people being interested and asking me. Um, I got to college and I was exactly the same person. I went through life like I think I'm normal. And a couple of things started changing. First of all, you don't wear a uniform anymore. You have to wear clothes. Second, in my college, you have to walk a lot. And it's hot as fuck. Very hot. Yeah, to the west side of the island, and that is of Puerto Rico. I stayed in the University of Puerto Rico to do an engineering degree, and and then I started noticing my feet getting more swollen, my legs getting more swollen, um, and in terms of the people, of course, the bubble was broken. I was right. meeting people, but I never got a bad experience per se in terms of of like meeting new people. And I was single after a little while, so kind of started dating, like, and the college experience. But that of the swelling, it started to pivot into, I think now that I know, into a type 2 to a type 3. And my Mm -hmm. legs started becoming the problem. Um, And there, by coincidence, there's a therapist, a lymphedema therapist in Mayagüez. (laughs) So I saw her a couple of times. I did my bandaging. I even went to to classes bandage, which is crazy to think about in that heat of Mayagüez. But that's how, like, normal I thought these things were. Um, But as you start growing older, not growing older, but I think there's a clear graph in there, if I could graph it, is growing older, lymphedema getting worse, the less confidence are, or like how my confidence gets um, yeah. affected. Yeah. And it wasn't until a little on that what started happening, it was not only my legs, but then the pelvic and the genital area was the ones that was started getting worse and worse. I've always had a, a bit of swelling in my genitals, but it was not that much. Um, yeah. But basically if i can speak this in very simple language if my plumbing in my legs is it's clogged what happens is that when that starts coming up then there's also cogs causes clogging any anywhere that's connected to that which is your pelvic area which because there's big lymphatics there there as well and because of my presentation of lymphedema which is from um, genetic and like my whole lymphatic system is malformed, then it started basically my abdomen and my genitals was what's getting worse and worse. And it was not an increment that it was huge immediately, but it was little by little. Yeah. Um, And those things start to become kind of directly correlated to how basically I felt in terms of confidence about my body because then I right. already knew that these things were not normal. 
Right. And I went back to the clinic in Austria uh, around 22, I think. And I, and I was already in, no, 21. And I was already in the stage in which I was like, I think I need to make some adjustments to get in and start wearing my compression garments because I was yeah. not for all that time. And I think I started being quite diligent with my legs. Uh, I remember a summer in which I came back and I was like, okay, wearing sneakers more. But if I would go out at night, I would never wear my compression garments. I, I don't think you ever saw me until recently. No. Years. And you would wear stilettos, like yes. five-inch heels. Mm. You went from five feet to like five-five in a second. <laughs> I know, because <laughs> I love them. But... um. But it was also very painful to put those shoes on sometimes. Like, yeah, of course. Um, because, because of the swelling. Sometimes I might put them on and they were perfect. But then throughout the night, it started to getting worse and worse. And then what happens is that then during the next day, then I couldn't fit in shoes and clothes. So Of course, it's, it's a snowball effect. Exactly, because then yeah. the resiliency starts is taking off you. Right. So I did an intensive treatment from college to getting to when I graduated college, because uh, even I had four months off from college to university. Sorry, so that's the same thing. So from college to job. work, my new job, yeah. which was moving to New York City. One of the most exciting things that I got a job offer in New York City, and it's where I always want an to amazing live. job offer. Yes, which you were there, and yes, yes, and I was gonna rekindle back with a lot of my friends that had studied in the states. You were one of them, Irene, the other one, Sarah, the one that was my roommate, and so I was so excited. I always wanted to live in New York. It was like a dream come true. And the other thing in the back of my mind is like lymphedema. Um, help, you know, like, right, you're gonna get so all small. the resources in the yes, world, because yes. New York is so advanced. And, and the you know, everything is in New York. Exactly. My life is gonna be so much better. Yeah, of exactly. Course. So okay. I but what really happened? <laughs> right. So those first four months, so those months of transition, I said, Okay, I'm gonna behave. And I'm gonna rather than going on a trip, because of course, what I wanted to do was going on a trip, I remembered I like, I want to go to um, Egypt and do the other things that I didn't do when I was abroad because I did abroad while I was in college. And I was like, I have four months there. I can do like two months in traveling and whatever. But I, you know, like life knocked on the door and said, <laughs> nope. Uh, so I did intensive treatment that, that summer and I, you know, preparing myself to moving to New York City. So the move to New York City was tough since the beginning. Everybody that has moved to that city know that it's difficult. Finding an apartment is horrible. What I thought was going to be a week thing, it was a month. And it was because of connections of people that was amazing that we had a person that was able to sign for us because I was considered unemployed. I lived in your couch for a whole month. Um, good, good times, but anyway. It was nice having you. <laughs> Thank you. I cooked for you and cleaned for you. Oh, it was amazing. Um, but uh, that all that started quite quite difficult, and then the workforce starts, and then again mm -hmm. another bubble that uh, bursts because now I'm out of Puerto Rico. Now I have to embrace these conversations, which I never had to really do. 
it wasn't that I didn't want to, it's that I, because it was never really part of my thought process, when something was hard for me, sometimes waking up, it's difficult because it's not about waking up. It's about my body feeling heavy and whatever. And I couldn't link those things together. And then my first project uh, at work put me to travel to DC and I had to wake up at five. And I remember our boss wanting us to get the first train that was at six. That was not even at seven. It was like, I, I want you guys because the seven train gets delayed. So please get there at six. So I, everybody that has lymphedema understands how important sleep and rest is. I was on my feet all the time. And, and then after that, I was not allowed to take cabs because it was too much on the budget. So from the train station, I needed to walk with two laptops and not modern MacBook Air laptops, like big ass laptops from the train station. I don't know even where it was in DC, down, like, down in, um, in a hill to the offices of where the client was. So all of these things started to start accumulate. And then I yeah. started to go to doctors to try to kind of like set up my profile and set up my, my, my record in some places. And it wasn't that easy. Yeah. Really doctors with it. And it was kind of like bursting bubbles all around me. Um, it was like New York experience is difficult. It's not as easy work. It's not as easy. You know, I was always kind of like an A student, not a straight A, but I was always like a good student and, and I had good grades. Uh, and, you know, I've battled for many things, but this time it was not, the workforce was being difficult. And, you know, in the, in New York, well, in the U.S. in general, but it's, it's a doggy dog world in the corporate world. And I was being treated as a normal and I, and I didn't want to be treated otherwise, but that was what battling with me because I was like, I, I sometimes have to do this other things. And if I say it, I'm going to demonstrate I'm weak. Mm -hmm. So for like three years, I definitely battled with all this. I found along the way, a lot of people, great people around me in the company as well that embraced me. Um, thank God. I don't know how it happened in the universe. I stayed in New York after that trip, after that first project, which I got fired from rightfully so in terms of like my performance wasn't great but at the same time those people i also understood Conditions. that there were asshole people around me because my also my uncle died at the same time and i had to go to puerto rico emergency and and i got fired like two weeks later so like there i understood that also people were not connected to their to kind of an empathy level in which i apparently inherently had because if somebody you see them struggle you would immediately kind of start attending them and yeah. then also the other thing that really changed was then I was single in New York City and I was going like dating apps started coming up and you know like you go into like um bars and meet people and I had to I I, I experienced people like look at me and then just walk away or yeah. I experienced um people just like staring at me like it, it directly. I started understanding that this might be um, an impediment for me to date someone in a city right. that 
there's always good options in a city that every perfection is it. Um, in not in, I I and t- Tiffany I've talked about Tiffany before in my anxiety podcast, but my therapist would say that that's a core belief and that's wrong. But I still believe it's true. It's that New York City in itself, it's going to be difficult for a person like me because from the bubble of people that would accept this, you need to find the guys that would not think insecure about themselves to accept me. Right. And it was kind of like, how do you navigate those waters? So I would go on dates and not show my arm. First of all, I was not wearing my garment at all, but I would not show my arm. But then what happened was that it was elongating (laughs) throughout many days or weeks. The fact that I is like, oh, yeah, I have this, like, forget about it. So all of these things started happening to me. And I was in my mid 20s. And with that, then again, if we go back to the graphs, my legs getting worse and a correlation to my genitals and my genital lymphedema getting exponentially worse um to one extent in which um I was worried for my future um my it was to an extent in which there was no control like everybody that has lymphedema understands there's ups and downs it's always like that every woman understands there's ups and downs in their lives you know like emotionally you one day you're bloated and you don't know why like it just happens right so imagine a lymphedema patient with all that it's even more so if you're not controlled so I would I would remember everybody and you guys would make fun of me of like I you have a lot of shoes or you have a lot of pants or a lot of clothes there there was a reason for it and it was because I had options for depending on how my body would be literally yeah. like and I've always been small and and I'm petite which maybe worked on my advantage for some people not to notice but um what was happening inside and internally it wasn't that it wasn't that and I was fighting with that pride directly to not yeah. accept or tell anyone that what was happening with me so I was looking at the same time for doctors all over and then one of the shocking things was finding that there was no options in New York, robust options. Which is which is crazy. Yes. Um, it was very hard for me to find people to help me. Uh, I found these surgeons, which are amazing surgeons, um, quite directly correlated to the kind of like the surgeries. But I did the assessment not because I was waiting for one of the surgeries. People know the anastomosis and the no transfer. I knew I probably wasn't applicable, but I thought that maybe there was going to be some next steps and there wasn't. They said like, sorry, you're a candidate. We cannot do anything. That was kind of heartbreaking because I'm like, I'm looking for help. I think like you always find people along the way. And I found this guy that did my treatment. He knew quite well. He actually knew the folding method. Um, and I did some treatment with him. The problem was how expensive it was. Then that was another bubble. Was like, was like insurances wouldn't cover it for it. So I spent, I remember five grand for only two weeks of treatment or maybe like 10 days. And it was like, 
I need this to live. I need it. Yeah. It was like all these things like happening that kind of got to the biggest turning point there than in 2016. I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And was, was this your, cause what I like, what I want to understand is when did you have, when was that turning point where you had that realization of, I need to change like how I'm living my life in certain areas. Like not, not that you're not going to live it, you know, you're going to live it to the fullest still, but you're like, when was that point where you said, okay, I need to make some adjustments to my life or I need to talk about this more or like, like when, what was the point that this started to change in you almost in a way? So it was much later. Um, it was after I went to polyclinic. So from that point that I did my treatment with him, I, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling well anyway. Um, after the treatment with him, what happened was like, after treatments, when I did intensive treatments, I then go about life like, oh, like I have new legs, like they're all on swollen, but that didn't happen back then. Like my legs were swollen two days later after the intensive treatment. And then after that treatment, my genitals were even worse. Uh, what happens is that the swelling, like it, it starts getting like everywhere because there's so much accumulation of fluid. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing summed up to that, that I said already, my abdomen was getting worse, my stomach. I was having so many horrible stomach problems. Um, and that was then directly correlated to experiencing some edema in the anus as well, because everything was like playing with each other in a bad way, kind of like it was not, it, my body didn't like the way I was living. Like you said, like, when did I realize in those moments I said something needs to change. Yeah. Um, so desperately I started fighting, looking for options. Uh, first of all, I started with the diet and then I started adjusting my diet. I, I don't know if you remember, like I had to cut everything because I went to I remember. an allergy, an allerg um, a person that did an yeah. allergy panel and I came yeah, allergic to everything. Uh, literally I became allergic to soy, tomato, eggs, all nuts, every, every type of nut. Um, dairy, which I always apparently was, but I finally found it that I was lactose intolerant then and there. Um, I cannot even tell you that the, to the extent that the doctor picked the phone up and called me personally and said, I've never seen a person with such a bad allergy panel. So I said, well, I just have to like try to cut all this to try to feel better. It worked to an extent. But then when I wasn't completely fixed, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it's, it's not working. So then I started anyway looking for solutions. And thank God, long story short, this therapist that I had worked with um, sent me to this wonderful woman and doctor in New Jersey. I don't know if she's still in New Jersey, but her name is Kathleen Francis. Um, I say her name because she's amazing. And she is the closest that is to an expert. One of the, there's a couple now, but one of the people that's the closest to an expert to lymphedema in, in the East Coast area. In, um, and I went to her and I explained her my story. <laughs> uh, and this was kind of like early 2016. Uh, it's not that anything particularly happened. It was just like, I was just done. I was just, I was not feeling good. 
And the one of the things that was really worrying me was my face. My, I have lymphedema in my face. A lot of people don't notice. A lot of people don't know. Uh, I don't care anymore. I used to care a lot, but uh, my face was very swollen. I still have a lot of pictures of it. Like, I, I, it was very noticeable. And I knew that something was very bad when you, the places that, you know, that are mild are getting even worse. I'm like, there's something wrong in this thing that is not right. So she, when I went to her, I explained my story. <laughs> she was like, so what do you need? What do you need me to help you with? <laughs> because she's like, you knew, you know, everything that you need to know about lymphedema. And I'm like, yeah, but there's other problems. And then I showed her my genital area and she was like, oh my God. And she immediately um, uh, referred me to Germany. Uh, because and that's how you found Foldy Clinic, right? And that's how I found Foldy Clinic. I had heard about the Foldy Clinic for a long, long time. But I'd never been because I had already gone to the Austria one. In that process, I had already, I also reached out to the, to the Austria one, but I didn't get responses. And, you know, like, it's those moments. I, mean, I know that technology, we take it for granted, but sometimes not everybody's like super technological or like in that process and other other countries either um so i think maybe i was not contacting the correct email or whatever but anyway or maybe it was it was a sign of fate that you had to end up at foldy clinic so totally i don't know yeah so i literally remember that the i was already i i had a very good relationship with my boss back then and mm -hmm. she, this woman I love, and she was so nice to me all the time because I I started to, I had to ask to take Ubers to work uh, because I couldn't really walk sometimes because I was so swollen. And if, if, and it was all kind of like, if I ate something that I shouldn't, then it was not only swollen in my legs and such, it was also the genital and the, the, the abdomen area that it was, so difficult to walk sometimes that I was like I'm sorry I'm late or whatever it's not that I want to be late and I ha I kind of explained to her a little bit not in depth but I was like can I get approval that if I need to take an Uber can I take it because like the walk to the train is just killing me and etc so I became phobic about walking um I it's something that I could I probably haven't said but I literally would think of oh you know in New York you can do amazing walks I was like no I don't want to like I would just think about it and I'm like oh my god no um so and you've always been a very active person so it's very yeah. unlike you so I yeah. would just I would just tie things up in a way that um I would I would do an exercise class right mm -hmm. that yes mm -hmm. because that was exercising and I knew that the lymphedema needed exercise but at the walking made everything worse because of the gravity and then the um, the the friction. So anyway, she at at work they were amazing, and I said, "Look, I might get an appointment in June in Germany to resolve all these issues that I've been having. Um, I might take take time off." And they said yes, and I. Not that they did have to say yes for me to go, but back then you think that way. That yeah. those are the things, one of the things that I've changed in my life. Um, but I went went for an appointment. Um, I went with my mom. We were both super scared because it's like, 
what are they going to say? Are they going to only speak a German? And, you know, like you are going on a foreign territory. When we got to the appointment, the surgeon is Spanish. Uh, and I love that man. And it was like, I don't know, it was, again, from a sign of the universe because, you know, that gave my mom all the peace of mind in the world. Uh, and what the surgery was going to be about was a reconstruction, a vaginal reconstruction. Um, but with it, you need to do intensive treatment because in my case, my lymphedema was out of control. So the protocol was that I was going to stay in Germany for two months, one month of extreme extensive treatment. They're going to operate me in the middle, do the surgery, and then a month of a, a discongestive treatment. The point of it is that you get the body to a normal making sure that there's no accumulation of fluid and that area is quite decongested. So when you operate it, there's no like bad accumulation of fluid operate and then the same so that the healing maintains without accumulation of fluid. Um, so yeah, in 2016, uh, I packed my bags and I thought what it was going to be that I'm moving away from New York and you know, like I didn't know what was in store for me, but yeah. I packed my bags. I packed everything. Um, I, a lot of things happened in very good ways. Like I didn't have to leave anybody. Like my, a lot of chapters were closing as well. Kind of like my uh, roommate, Sarah was um, moving in with her boyfriend. So, you know, like we were leaving out of our apartment. So there was no problem there. My project right. was ending because I had already thought that career wise, I didn't want to be there and that was happening. And so a lot of chapter closed and, um, and that's important for me because I think the universe was also saying kind of, this is the, this is what you have to do. Um, yeah. and yeah, I packed everything, put everything in storage, <laughs> uh, and went to Germany for two months where it was more than two months because I ended up being there like 11 it weeks. It was about three. Yeah. It was almost three months, wasn't it? Yeah. Because at the end I had a little bit of more time and, and um, I, I, you know, um, I decided to stay a bit longer to make sure that I healed properly. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was scary because I was, you know, I was so hopeful and so happy that there was a solution for this thing. I was basically, I was scared. And I've said this before, the way I explain it is that I was losing, I was going to the, I was coming to the end of my functional life. Because I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do uh, anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And this place, you've been there. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, besides being wonderful physically and a beautiful place, it's a place of healing. And it gets me emotional because it changed my life. Um, the moment that you, you were giving, um, you're given uh, a protocol you're giving solutions you're told like if you do this like my diet the mct diet which i still do you're gonna feel better yeah. if you bandage this way if you wear your garments and and yeah it, it is true uh and i guess that to your question maybe an hour ago <laughs> it was to, i don't know <laughs> uh what change is that in me is when you start feeling well and you know of the things that make you feel well and your your life change 
there's no going back. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that I put a lot of work in this. You know, I, I took myself out of life to deal with these things. Yeah. Um, and it, it might have been a bit of a responsibility from my side that I didn't do it before. I've thought about that. I don't fully think so. I think I was just living my life. I was being a human in life. You were, like, you were just, yeah, you were just going through the normal transitions that any person goes through. You were being a, a kid. You were being young. You were, you, you, ha you had to almost go through all of these steps to get where you are, like where you ended up, which is, and, and, and thankfully finding Foldy, the Foldy clinic, which like basically I think literally saved your life and saved your quality of life, not so much your life, but like, I just, I, I want to comment on, on the clinic itself. Cause I just remember getting there and I'm like, one, this is just beautiful. It's, it's so everybody knows it's like, it's in this little town in Germany, Hinsensartzen, I'm probably <laughs> mispronouncing it, but whatever. And it's on this mountain and all you see is this beautiful forest and it's just absolute peace. And not only that, like you, you can tell that it's almost like a safe place in a way. At least that was my perception kind of going in. I was like, I was really nervous, but then I get there and I'm like, I can't believe this exists and this is amazing. It feels like such a safe environment and guys, I've known Nicole for 15 years, like she said, and this was the first time that I saw her and I'm like, this is the best that like, this is the best you've looked. This is the happiest that you, that I've seen you in, in years. And you're always happy and you always look good, but like, you <laughs> look you. like, like better mm -hmm. if, if it's even possible. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of things happened, you know, and yeah. um, uh, one, I was giving this, I, I was giving back life one second, I was a 20 year old girl, or woman, whatever, uh, that I thought that, you know, there's a sexual element here in which, you know, my genitals were being def deformed. And I was giving a second chance basically to kind of go back to life and experience it and, and like gain confidence as well. And, you know, it, it, that changed. Um, it changed to the extent that I actually, when <laughs> this is maybe TMI, but I, I really in the, in the spirit of transparency, when mm. I got my surgery, after my surgery, I remember texting around like a couple of my girlfriends saying like, I actually have to Google what a vagina looks like because I'm not sure what I, <laughs> if it looks like what the one that it should look like. like literally, oh my God. I was like, oh, now I understand what's happening. So if to that extent, and, and then the second, just the third thing there, well, no, there's two more. There's a people element divided into parts. There's a people element, the community. I met so many good people and amazing people with lymphedema. Uh, then we started kind of like, you start bantering, you started exchanging notes, you started meeting people and, and um, telling your, their story and listening to their stories and like opens your eyes to everything else. 
and like all all the other stories that exist besides yours like if I've ever which I don't think so but if I ever felt sorry for myself you don't because you listen to somebody else's story yeah um and then the other part of it is that then you learn who the people that are worth having in your life are because those are the people that will care yeah and I was I, you know, I'm a people person. I love people. And, you know, in New York, one of the things was like exploring and, and getting to know a lot of people. And I gave my time uh, maybe probably to a lot of people that were not worth it. Uh, a lot of people that maybe was worth it for that moment. But I understood who was worth to me giving my time to and to go above and beyond because at those moments, the moments that you're experiencing need or like, it, it, I not that I, I was asking for need, but when you don't have to ask for it, when people just tell, ask you how you are or give you like the support, those are the people that you understand will be in your life for a long time. And I am so grateful. Like, for example, you're one of them, like you, you went and spent Thanksgiving with me and I would never... <laughs> I would never forget that because um, you, I know you're very close to your family and you spent Thanksgiving Day with me and that was very special. So I would never, never forget those moments. Um, and <laughs> I love you. <laughs> too. Don't post this part. <laughs> Listen, for me, honestly, for one and I I remember when you told me you told me and it was it, you you said it so like nonchalant oh this is happening I'm like that sounds kind of serious <laughs> but okay Nicole miss positivity nonchalant sure and um honestly for me it wasn't for me it wasn't a a, a question I I'm like there's there's no way you're gonna spend Thanksgiving by yourself. There's no way that you're going to spend like time by yourself after something so huge. And I don't know. I, for me, it was nothing <laughs> for me. I just needed to be there with you because I I'll just be needed forever to make sure grateful. you were okay. <laughs> and I'll be forever so. grateful. I do remember you saying that it's the best time you slept in your life because it's so painful. Oh my God. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, this is, it's an oasis. Yeah. I even lost weight. So it was great. <laughs> you did? Oh my god. I think so. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, except for the wine that I would drink at night. Exactly. I couldn't <laughs> drink that you were drinking for me. I know, I was drinking for for both of us, don't worry. <laughs> um oh so yeah, like all that happened in 2016 and without extending this story much more, it 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 just changed me. Um, and I, and one of the, you know, the toughest parts is then after going through that, keeping it. So the next couple of months, what I spent was like adjusting my life, uh, and you know, not rounding up to the normal adjustments, but that's why that topic is so important and passionate for me because I literally had to then go to the supermarket and understand what I could eat and start trial and error on 
you know, kind of the way I needed to cook this new oil. How can I use it? How does it work? Uh, I need to meal prep um, because I need to have food in the fridge. I discovered that if you have food in the fridge, you're never going to eat what you're not supposed to. Um, yeah, and it. I started going by that. And, you know, drinking less, um, wearing the compression, bandaging in the, in more often, and kind of understanding what these things were going to mean in my life. But trying to stay um, authentic to the person I am because I I also love people again, like I say, and I cannot say enough because I do, and I feed off people, so I couldn't leave that away. Like if I would leave that, I would be depressed. So how can I accommodate these things in my life? And kind of I remember going back to the old ways would wear my garments in the in the day and at night I'm like I'm not wearing them and then the next day there was complications so it was like no I cannot let this happen so it's like I have to live with these babies and how I do I just my whole way of dressing up to make them you know a part of me and you know that actually meant changing my whole wardrobe uh I think I yesterday I was like cleaning up and I don't have anything before before 2016. Like, because I just changed the whole way because it, it just needed yeah. to be, it needed to be that was your That was your transition point. That was your, yeah. your, I guess your moment of realization in a way that, that was, that was the point, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. It was between, well, 2016, everything happened. And then 2017, when I kind of like went back to real life and had to live right. it with all this. Um, and then um, another thing was to accept that I didn't, I couldn't live in New York City in that moment, at least, uh, that I needed a lot of things that New York was not giving me. And even though I loved it and I had my family there, you and many other people, then that I, I, that I couldn't. Um, and that's how I started uh, applying for jobs and you know, again, the universe works in mysterious ways. My same company had an opportunity in London. And then uh, months later, I moved, well, actually the beginning of the next year, I moved to London. Um, but one of going back to those, one of those moments in which I, I started then shifting into my pitch. Um, and I'm gonna uh, mention her, Raquel. Uh, one of our very good friends, I had already gone through 2016. I um, I invited you guys. I made some pizza, which I couldn't eat because you know I cannot eat dairy. But I make pizza for other people, and and we she stayed oh like longer uh to kind of like she wanted to know more and but I didn't know and and she expressed to me that she thought that we were not close enough because. I was never, I never had talked to her about my situation. I met, I I knew this girl already for five years and I had never had a conversation about lymphedema with her. And I had just been in the clinic and I had just been, you know, she was always there supporting in a very nice and, and normal way. And, but I had never approached or had this conversation with her. And that was such a realization moment in which I was like, I, I need to start talking about this. Um, 
And, you know, it was so simple the way, like, she explained it. It was like, it, and I, of course, I explained to her, this has nothing to do for if you are close to me or not. It's just something I, I never know how to do. So that is very much the same time in which then I started to do some advocacy, which I had done a bit the year before, but then I started to do very much advocacy. I went to New York Congress with Learn, um, and did some lobbying there and I got a, an award with that. And I started little by little embracing being more open about it, but it required all that road to be open about it because I didn't want to accept to people uh, my limitations and I didn't want to even more so, I didn't want to accept it to myself. Yeah. Um, so that acceptance that I talked so much about, um, the day it's like Andy when I say I'm gay or like you know like it's the same thing I say it that's why I say it's like coming out of a closet because it's not that I was fully hiding it but I didn't want to accept to people or show to people that there were limitations I was living with but right. what I was doing was being a bit of a hypocrite because if I wanted to show people how I was well or keep going or really showing a face of positivity, like you say, I need to be honest. I think just on that point, um, I think you also didn't want people to treat you differently, right? Like totally. you didn't want people to see you in a certain way. Like you didn't want that to almost define you when in fact it, 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 what it like almost flipping the coin it, it can almost define you, but in a positive way, not so much that you have lymphedema, but Hey, I have lymphedema and look at me, like, look, look how I'm living. I'm living like my fullest life and it's not stopping me and it's not stopping my confidence. Um, which I think is a beautiful thing. And well, I think thank you. And, yeah. And that, and that's what I'm doing now. You know, it, 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 from there, I moved to London and I think I had an opportunity as well to kind of like, show myself in my fully self, my new self. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, like, these lessons learned are the ones that I'm going to take with me and I'm going to continue being this way. And there are no negotiables. And the non-negotiables are these. And even at work, these are the non-negotiables. I'm not going to bend those rules because I'm, you know, I, I can't because I'm not going to go backwards. No, and totally and totally, not. I... I started doing those adjustments myself and showcasing, I guess that proving them to myself and actually having good results. Like if I wear my garments or if I rest or if I do bandage and et cetera, et cetera. And if I eat this way, I feel fine. And I don't have a, that fluctuation that heavily, like I still do a little bit. Of course, everybody does but not in a way that it's detrimental to the way I feel that badly. Like I sleep better, I have more energy. And another thing, I don't have also a walk phobia. <laughs> I actually walk everywhere and I love walking. I, it's something it, I had to kind of rekindle with all these things because I, I really had some PTSD about many of them. Uh, and then I now, the most recent, then like last year, it's wearing the garments and 
wearing back the things unapologetically because I would of course change I would wear the long pants to cover the legs I would wear the long skirts to cover the legs but now I don't like for example today was a hot day and I'm wearing a dress with the gar with the garments and for the first time this summer I went back to the beach and wore my garments for the first time in the water and um it, it's it's been a road but it's it I I couldn't if the moment I also came out to the public last year because it was around this time last year that I decided to say like I'm gonna do an Instagram takeover and I'm gonna do it publicly for other people not for me it's to show people that you can live a life that with whatever you have uh but it's n not necessarily has to look like what they told us that it needs to look like because yeah. in all this road in this past eight four years four years in theory what i should have been doing was getting a boyfriend getting married probably having babies and right but that's what the temperance in theory in theory right in and theory in my life looks completely different for other reasons and does that make it less or less happy or less important or not not at all no no i don't i think um i think it's your it's your path it's your journey as long as you're happy and you're healthy and you're that's really all that matters i think all the totally. We need to move away from all the social stigmas that we're meant to follow when it's that that's not how life works. That's not a checklist. Right. So I, I think you've I don't know. I, I've said it in a, a million times to you, but I, I think you are resilient and you shock me every time, um, especially with just your positivism and your confidence. I mean, you know, my issues. So like it, it's just it's it's beautiful to watch. Thank you, right. and I appreciate it. And I want to talk about a little bit about the positivism because the other day I, I read something about because there's this like um, you know part of the cancel culture and about the 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 realisticness of like people saying that over positivity is negative as well and whatever. And it's that's not what I try to portray. I mm -hmm. do come from a positive angle because there we sometimes are stuck in too much of the negative. I come from a realistic way. It's a, a proven fact that if you embrace things and if you're honest, you're going to feel better. And right. it's, it's just about just acting, act upon the things. It's, it, and it's not overly positive. I, positivity is one of the traits that I try to portray and I, I am I live. It's not that behind closed doors, I'm not at all. Um, but because I don't want to feel like that. And I, you know, I've talked very openly about anxiety. I don't want to feel anxious. So whatever I have to do to not feel anxious, I will do it. Yeah, of course. I mean, you're at the end of the day, you're human, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it's absolutely normal. So, so I guess what's, what's next for you? What, what are the next chapters in? Well, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, look, I I found a huge passion in my coming out of the closet <laughs> in talking about lymphedema um, because, you know, if there's something I know very well in it, it it's it. Uh, and if something I 
again, with my bubbles being bursted, what I also understand is the lack of information out there and the correct information. So mm-hmm. anything I can do to help anyone, I will, I, I would, I will, whatever the, whatever word is there. But um, the other thing is that I found a passion about in, in talking about topics uh not mine i hate talking about myself you know i've been here for a while but it's not that i like talking about myself i like talking <laughs> at all i like i hate it um i like talking about situations and kind of growing from that um it's yeah. because i'm i'm obsessed with people and their stories so i found a passion in this space that i created um from bad th- situations, good situations happen. Corona gave me the ability and the time to do this, which I wanted to do for a long time. Because again, with all my journeys, listening to other people's stories is fascinating. Uh, and not only Fudima, everything out there. And, you know, continue growing because it's an ever-going evolution. Um, I'm only 32, so who knows what will be in store. It's not going to be the only situations that will happen everything that has happened that i have said many more are to come um so yeah life i'm sure you'll take over the world in a few years thank you (laughs) (laughs) i mean i needed help then (laughs) because don't worry the world is you have a team you have a team of people who will have your back the only thing i want to say at the end um i ask everyone uh, what would you say to 13 year old self if I would need to tell her something and I mm-hmm. ask everybody every person so I should answer it myself yes. um, and I think it would be relaxed uh, everything that needs to happen will happen and you know just follow your gut feeling because um, it's my the, everything that has happened in my life is a testament of it so yeah, yeah that's it well thank you nicole for opening opening your, you know yourself up to to the world i mean i i've known you and i've seen this side of you and i just i i love that you're sharing this with with everybody kind of you know around you only because you never know kind of what everybody else is is going through or struggling with. And I only hope that kind of you telling this story is going to inspire others in, in some, in some way, which I'm sure it will. So thank you for, for doing that and for opening yourself up. Thank you. And, and thank for entrusting you. me to have this conversation. With you. <laughs> <laughs> of course. No, you did amazing. Yeah, I know you were scared. Not at all. You did amazing. <laughs> thank you. I was scared I too. You. I was nervous. I love you too. <laughs> Not for you, for me, but... (laughs) Well, thank you everyone for listening. Bye, guys. Thank you.